The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jeff Cameron Show right here on 97 on ESPN Radio. It is my pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That is Director Matthew producing the program. We are online at ESPNTallahassee.com. You can listen to the show via the streaming when you go to that website. Email the show if you like, jcs at ESPNRadio.com. On Twitter, it's at Cameron Show. Good day to you, YouTubers. Soon you'll be able to watch this show on the uh, Warchant.com YouTube page, the YouTube TV, Warchant TV. That's what you'll be watching this show on, you and 30,000-plus others. It's going to be great. Made that announcement yesterday on the program, just so you know. Uh, would also note that yesterday, I mean, did, did I just hear that correctly? Matthew, did I just hear that um, the NFL – has ruled that if a game is to be canceled uh, or not played due to uh, members of a team having uh, COVID, they are to forfeit said game. That is the end of that. It will not be made up. That's the end of it. Will not be rescheduled. You get a loss. You get a loss. And players don't get paid. Yeah, man. Well, look, how about yours truly yesterday on the show saying this is where we're going. I mean, people aren't going to play around with this nonsense anymore. So uh, get ready. You're also going to hear this from, uh, I would think, in the not-too-distant future from these uh, commissioners of the Power Five, too. Get it together, everybody. Let's go. Uh, I'll get back to uh, the, 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 the issues of the day, the, the interesting items of the day, uh, first of which was, of course, uh, the, the sad news yesterday that Coach Bowden had announced he has a terminal illness. We we were able to listen to the reactions across the landscape of college football. Certainly it was heartwarming to hear the comments from coaches that have been uh, influenced by Coach Bowden and their thoughts on his career and the man himself. And uh, that continues today. So I would encourage everybody who uh, are kind of curious what other coaches and players had to say about that. There's There's a lot of stuff out there. We are in uh, day two of ACC Media Days, and it's Florida State's day uh, to begin, and they did first thing in the morning. They were the first ones up, and so we'll bring in in the 5 o'clock hour my cohort, Tom Wang, again to give us the latest. Not a lot. I, I, I just tell you this, scratching the surface, not a ton 
to glean from what Mike Norvell had to say. Um, I felt like, you know, I talked about him going up to those meetings, having to walk a tightrope between overstating the expectations or overselling what they're capable of this year, uh, but also not, not kind of being solemn or in any way down. Like you're trying to, you're trying to hype up how excited you are for the season and how hard your players have worked and what's possible while also understanding that they're not a juggernaut. And I'll tell you what, if you want to look around at the way most media types there at the ACC or those covering this league project the conference standings, you, you won't be buoyed. You will not be overly excited. It's not that that means it's going to happen. It's just a glimpse into the views of many that follow the ACC as to how far Florida State has to go. Most have this team near the bottom. Yeah, I don't think anybody has this worse off than Syracuse in the Atlantic. But from there, it's up for debate. I think you would you would say that there are people who believe Florida State, other than Syracuse, is a bottom feeder in this Atlantic division. Now, I'll argue that Florida State has a chance to finish above Louisville and Boston College. And depending on how that week three game goes against Wake Forest, maybe them too. And that would be maximizing where you're at, and that'd be a huge step forward. I don't think Florida State um, can hope to do much better than that. But it's interesting. I, I wondered what we would hear, and uh, they they people are – yeah, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, all that good stuff. They're they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you guys aren't any good. <laughs> you got a million miles to go. Okay. The big item of yesterday that we didn't get to, as it pertains to specifically just football and college football, that we're so excited about now, because again, camps begin very soon. We are now just what thirty seven, thirty six days in a wake up from the start of college football season. All of that, of course, today's a day in which the Dallas Cowboys have begun uh, camp. They are there. NFL training camps have begun. The Steelers are the same. Of course, those two combatants face off in the Hall of Fame game. The Buccaneers will join the group. This weekend as they open up camp, the defending Super Bowl champions. And from there, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, hourly, daily, football-related news. Sadly, the first stuff that we get to read about and hear about just uh, yeah, the other day were you know, Cam Akers, Florida State's own, uh, rupturing his Achilles while working out. That is a shame. You get the sense he was on the verge of really taking off 600-plus yards last year once he kind of found his footing and became the guy in Los Angeles, he began to emerge, especially late in the year, as a potential star. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's partly because he can catch the ball out of the backfield, too. To have this happen is sad. I will say this. I did cover him, obviously, had the chance to talk to him, get to know him a little bit, um, and, and moreover, got to know what he was about, and that is work ethic, man. That guy put in the time, put in the effort. And to say that... You know, he was probably soured on how his college football career played out, given that at the time he committed, certainly he thought Florida State was going to be a juggernaut for years to come. And, of course, that didn't happen. And yet he was uh, still really uh, a bright spot for a team going through a tough transition. Um, I always appreciated that about him. Always appreciated the work ethic there. He had a little stretch where that wasn't the case, where he was frustrated, where he wasn't bought in, but he emerged from it and became a leader. And because of that, I think you'll see a guy who is as committed as you can possibly be to getting back on the field, probably even sooner than you would think possible. He's that kind of uh, animal in the gym and that kind of worker. 
So there's that. Now, onward to the big story of the day, which was the thought that uh, perhaps, perhaps Oklahoma and Texas reached out at some point to the South, Southeastern Conference and inquired about possibly joining said conference in what would be a massive shakeup to the college football landscape. And if it's true, um, you know, we, we already know that this is a landscape that shifts constantly. Got it. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's about money and it's about jockeying for position. Um, you know, I, I get it. It is a billion dollar industry. We're in an interesting era. We're starting a brand new era. We're looking at the game like never before as we try to wrangle name, image, and likeness and what's going to happen, who's going to best utilize it, but also what kind of effect does it have on the sport. Uh, I think people are nervously looking on, and I don't even mean people that are cynical about players being paid, even those that are for this and think that we had this draconian way of conducting um, the, the, the grand payout in college football. Uh, I would say that even if you're for it, you are concerned. It does feel a little bit like the wild, wild west, especially as you learn that Alabama's quarterback who hasn't started the game for them may very well already have procured a million dollars in name image likeness. If, in fact, that's going to be the norm for Alabama players, how are you ever going to out-recruit Alabama? Well, the answer is you're not. And so people get nervous about that. I got it. But what do we think about the larger picture here of the SEC? As they continue to distance themselves, certainly from the ACC, where Florida State resides. And if, in fact, it were to play out that the SEC were to welcome in, much to the chagrin and anger of one Texas A&M and many others, certainly those left behind in what would be the dilapidated near-death Big 12. What if they were to wrangle Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC? Uh, Okay, well, you know, that's the end of the Big 12. And at that point, man, I mean... Obviously, Oklahoma State, obviously Texas Tech, and the rest of that conference, TCU, Baylor, and anybody else, would have to realize the dream is over. Um, there are a lot of things and, and, and angles to consider here. Um, I think it's absolutely riveting and fascinating. I think the thing that we're inclined to do is, A, think about how this impacts us. Let's bring it back to Florida State, us specifically. And it's the right thing to do because the money discrepancy right now is sizable. It would continue to grow. The SEC would get even larger. It's already a behemoth. Uh, it's, um, it would be adding two of the uh, biggest names in all of college football. Certainly that's the case when you consider what Oklahoma is to the Big 12, which is the owner of the Big 12. I know what Texas may think, but we also know that the uh, past six Big 12 championships uh, have belonged to Oklahoma. I would note that 14 Big 12 championships belong to Oklahoma since 1996. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot of ownership is what that is. Uh you wonder why they would leave? Well, it's probably the thought that the gap not only continues to grow from the SEC to the ACC, but also the SEC to the Big 12. The money gap continues to grow there. And Oklahoma knows they're a blue blood. They know that they would in immediately be a huge catch for any other league if they were to offer up 
their services to said league. That even in a robust blue blood league like the SEC, they would have cachet beyond the vast majority of the teams in that league. Not all, but the vast majority. So that is uh, that's the number one reason. It's always smart business to look and find out where the money is going. And how can you be part of it and continue to eat from the money trough, as I like to call it? You know, the other, the, the other benefits, uh, you know, I, I guess as we see it from college football standpoint is, yeah, you'd get more league games in the SEC almost assuredly if they were to do it. Um, I would also say that, obviously, again, I'll reiterate, the, the, the Big 12 would be dead. That is the end of the conference. You can argue it's not such a great move for Texas, and I know it's not something. I mean, Texas A&M would be furious. They've already made that known. I've got some pretty funny quotes for you later on today. They they have already begun to position themselves as saying, nay, nay, no, no, we didn't just roll from the Big 12 for nothing. We wanted our own identity. We left the Big 12 because we were always in the shadow of Texas. We knew we could get a fresh start in the SEC and be our own man, and now you're going to come in here and ruin it again? But also you got to wonder – and this has been speculated about pretty much by everybody who's written about the potential move, and that is, is this just one more example of the NCAA losing control and, and mattering less and less? feels that way. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't put itself in a more powerful position um, when you consider that the moves being made now have little to do with what the NCAA wants and more about what the member institutions want financially. That's what this is all about. It's Jeff Cambridge on 97.9 ESPN Radio. It ain't bragging if it's true It ain't bragging if it's true It ain't bragging if it's true Said Muhammad Ali Me Didn't say it from the outset, but I should have all guests appeared via the Phone Hero Hotline. Our guest will be Tom Lang in the 5 o'clock hour from Warchant.com to talk about the ACC kickoff. Phone Hero specializing in iPhone and iPad repair. Two locations, 2915 Cary Forest Parkway, 833 West Gain Street. Online at PhoneHeroTLH.com. Do a what them kids doing at the top of next hour, so I won't go too in-depth here, but Florida State snagged another commitment. For the 2023 class, I know we're getting out there when we start talking about 2023. I will say, uh, and this is always a little creepy, well put together young man here at quarterback saying yes to Florida State. Thick kid and only going to get bigger and stronger, one would presume, given that he's class of 2023. Not all that tall, but good arm. Athletic kid, 6 feet, 200 pounds. Chris Parson out of Tennessee said yes to Florida State for the 2023 class at quarterback, and they're going to take two kids at that position in that class in all likelihood. So you get you get a kid now who's uh, well thought of. Florida State beat out uh, the likes of Louisville and Miami, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, TCU, 
there are other schools listed there, but um, that's the that's the caliber of uh, player he is and the kinds of schools that were going after him. Uh, if you're looking at the composite list provided by 247, he's in the top 300 players in America. So top 20 uh, on the quarterback list. So, hey, can't go wrong getting the early uh, verbals from quarterbacks for the 2023 class that are this well thought of. And uh, reading his social media platforms, you'll see that he is uh, – Seemingly all in on Florida State and that, uh, uh, for example, all you got to do is check his Twitter account in which you'll find uh, a little collage of pictures that go back a ways that include Charlie Ward, Bobby Bowden, Peter Warwick. Yeah, that'll work. All right. Knowing a little bit about the history there. Take that. These days, every time we talk about recruiting, it seems to be um, a signal that things are, are moving in the right direction. And now the question then becomes, what kind of season do you have to have to maintain that momentum? And that's really all we're going to be waiting on as we move forward this year is, okay, it's a little bit of hurry up and wait now because that, that buzz that's in the air, that feeling that you get when camps open up or when the ACC and SEC media days begin, Big 12 media days, Big 10 today, all that begins to begin, as they say, or R.E.M. would, um, you get excited. And then it's like, okay, good, good. That buzz has started. Yep, NFL camp's underway. Great, that's awesome. Soon we'll see actual flashes of football on our TV screen, albeit preseason, but it's still guys in pads and uniforms we love and know. And we get excited about, we begin to salivate at the idea that that season, which every year when it ends seems to take forever to come back around, is nearly upon us. But it's a little hurry up and wait. It's uh, There it is. Oh, man, okay, okay. But soon I'll be watching practice. And reporting back from it. And um, the interesting aspect there is that uh, given that the show will be at a different time slot than what we've done for, uh, well, the better part of 20 years now, um, I will say that uh, I will be coming from the practice fields into the studio uh, to sit down and, and give you my thoughts uh, about what we just saw. And that will be fresh and that will be fun to follow up on. That'll be ideal. Um and, you know, that is the benefit, again, of uh, open practices where you can provide context for people. And, um, you know, one thing that you, you, you see from ACC Media Days today um, in listening to Coach Norvell, just how excited he is to have had an offseason. Goodness gracious. I keep reiterating that point, too. I mean, what are you expected to do as a new staff and a new coach in terms of not just installing what you need to install, but impacting the mindsets and the work ethics of guys. I mean, you, not being able to do that a year ago, it really showed. I mean, if you really want to think about um, what Florida State season was a year ago, I mean, they, they had like, well, really one legitimate win. And that was against North Carolina. You know, Duke had mailed it in before they ever came here, and even that game turned out to be overly compelling. I mean, think think about that. I mean, I don't want, I don't mean to bring you down, um, but they're they're like you had one legitimate wing to hang, hang your hat on uh, from last season. Um, you know, the, the, you had it started with the devastating loss to Georgia Tech, but then you you beat JSU, which we're really going to count that win. I mean, you do you count it, but I mean. You got that win, and you got the win over North Carolina. Other than that, blown out by Pitt. Handled easily by NC State. Blown out by Louisville. uh, Not blown out by Notre Dame, but beat handily. Blown out by Miami. 
Damn it, man. So thus we wait and think, okay, well, if you're com- – that's the other part of it. <laughs> Yesterday, as exciting as it was to finally be able to sit down and, and tell you about my future plans, and it's um, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but laugh that the responses were overwhelmingly positive. Yes, there were a few who were like, damn it, I hate you. You're still going to be around. <laughs> Which always cracks me up. Um, but before, but be beyond all that, the gauging of the responses, I thought the most interesting aspect of that um, was how many people instantly went from, oh, okay, that's cool. Can we win seven or eight games? Any chance we can do that? Uh, because as we get closer, that really is like, what are we going to be watching? We're watching something that resembles normal, we think. Although I'm beginning to hold my breath as we look at certain numbers right now. But, um, you know, it's going to feel like normal, we think. But but what's normal? Uh, Us having a disastrous start to the season again? And that's why over and over and over again this offseason, all we've talked about is not the Notre Dame game, which will be fun. I think everybody would look at that game. And when you talk about that game, and more and more of us are now on a daily basis, making our plans to see our friends and our family come into town and and to get excited about tailgating for that football game and having that be in prime time and that stadium with the energy that we're accustomed to it's been lacking for so long it feels like eons the last time you were in there where it had that energy where it had that certain something that you always thought to be magical when night games were played at Doe Campbell Stadium Bobby Bowden Field with something on the line and we'll get that we'll we'll have that feeling for that first game but, but that game isn't the one that we circle in terms of the direction of the program. Now, if you are to pull off a major upset, then yes, it could serve as such. But we are significant underdogs in that game for what I think is a good reason. But if you go to, and I'm not saying that Florida State can't knock off Notre Dame. They certainly could. And it certainly helps, I think, to play Notre Dame when we're playing Notre Dame because they're, they're transitioning to a new quarterback who I'm not overly impressed with if it's the kid from Wisconsin. And... Um, and, and four-fifths of an offensive line that was as dominant as they come in the league. So having to replace all of that, you may catch somebody early. They may be out of sorts. You may have a shot at a huge upset. We'll see. But it's really been the Wake game that we've circled and thought about uh, more than any other because I think that game may very well dictate whether or not you get to six wins. That game may very well dictate whether or not you can garner any confidence. We say momentum a lot, but really it's about confidence. Like a group of kids that have had not had a reason to have a lot of confidence group of kids who haven't done something, achieved something that would lend itself to you being confident going into other games down the line. That really hasn't happened. Got to get one of those at some point so that it can happen. I get tired of hearing learn how to win, but they got to learn how to win a game every now and again, that uh, is either 50 50 or your slight underdog. I mean, it's legal to win a few of those. You don't, you don't have to lose every one of those games where somebody has equal talent to you or certainly, God forbid, just a marginal bit more. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio.
headline you read every day, and not all that interesting, but okay, it's July. And it involves one of your former players, Director Matthew. How much do you know about insider trading other than the obvious, like what it implies? Not all that much. Me neither. Not terribly uh, well-educated on insider trading. I get it. I mean, uh, I know what it is. I understand a little bit of how it works and why you can get in trouble for it. And there are, of course, famously, there are movies and books and countless other stories to regale us of uh, just how much trouble you can get into. But you know what's weird? Um, I've always wanted to benefit from insider trading. Just open book here on the Jeff Cameron Show. Who wouldn't? Doesn't even feel like a crime. <laughs> even though it is. Every time I read about it, I'm like, I think I would have done that. Sounds like something I would have done. I'm just a a criminal in the making, apparently. <laughs> Every time because I read the story. Now, obviously, there are various forms of this. And yes, there are times when you read about it and you go, Well, that quite clearly is a crime. That's not good. Yes. They're they're real people being hurt here. Got it. Other times you're like, God, God, I don't know. Seems like it just sounds like more of a tip. You know, we give tips to each other all the time. Here's a tip. The easier way to eat crab legs is to take a fork, the last prong on said fork, enter the, the beefier side of the leg, slide upwards. Voila, it's magic. Open sesame. You got all the meat without having to wrestle the damn leg. That's a tip for you. Just a tip. <laughs> now, sometimes I read these stories and I go, that just seems like a worthwhile tip that the guy took advantage of. He said, hey, I want to put some money over here. Really? Okay. Is that insider trading? Depends. Free agent linebacker, Michael Kendricks. Do you remember him? I do, yeah. He was, he was uh, very good for the Eagles. Yeah, well, he was sentenced today. To uh, one day in jail. Now, if he were able to successfully hide his money for having benefited from insider trading, I dare say the trade-off is uh, $1.2 million from what I read here for one day of jail. All righty then. Sign me up. Of course, it's not that easy. I'm sure they tracked the money and he's had to give it back. But, but if not, if not, we'd all do it. He gets one day in jail, three years of probation, 1.2 mil. I'm still doing three years of probation and one day in jail. 300 hours of community service. Okay, now this is excessive. That's a lot of hours. 300? 300 hours. I thought the same thing. That seemed the most notable aspect of the sentence. The one day in jail, eh, it's jail, not prison. What's one day in jail? Probation? All right, don't screw up. Don't screw up for $1.2 million, but 300 hours of community service. Sweet Jesus. The sentence was handed down by Judge Gene Prater in uh, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania after numerous postponements. Kendrick's agent, Doug Hendrickson, told ESPN that the linebacker is going to go ahead and serve that one-day jail sentence today. We're going to go ahead and just, let's just knock that out. I'll go ahead and spend my day in jail today. Give me a little cot. (laughs) 
Hendrickson said that not knowing what kind of sentence to expect made it a, quote, very emotional day for Michael. Clearly, he's very happy. This is his attorney talking now, by the way. I do like this. Uh, this is a good quote. There's no beating around the bush here. This is They're obviously pleased with this sentence. Quote, Michael is very happy with the outcome of his trial. <laughs> yes. What, what? You're giving me a day? I get a day? Well, judge, mm, you're a peach. According to the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, um, a Goldman Sachs investment banking analyst named uh, Demolaire Sanuki illegally fed Kendrick's information about corporate acquisitions that his bank was advising before those deals were publicly announced. The complaint alleges that those tips then helped Kendricks make about $1.2 million in profits by purchasing securities in four companies that were about to be acquired. Good tip. Very good tip. I like you, Demolier. You're my guy. Kendricks apologized in a statement after the charges were announced in August, saying that while he didn't fully understand the details of the illegal trades, he did know, in retrospect, that it was wrong, and he regretted his actions. See, that'd be me. I'd look like the biggest dumbass in the world. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing was wrong. My guy said, hey, buy up these. I did. Next thing you know, I had a lot of money. Seemed like on the up and up to me. It's what I pay him for. Okay, the only other famous insider trading, like celebrity sports kind of story I know of is Martha Stewart. Yeah, I was going to say celebrity Martha Stewart, yes. So I looked it up, and she got five months. So how did he get one day? He got a day, baby. Hers was much more extensive, I guess. She got five months for avoiding a loss of around $45,000. He made $1.2 and got a day? A day. He's got a good attorney. A day. But. Just think how fortunate we all are that Martha Stewart got busted when she did because born out of that was her friendship, dear friendship, with Snoop Dogg, the most unlikely pairing on earth. The Seattle Seahawks signed Kendricks in September of 2018, a week after he pled guilty. He served an eight-game suspension later that season for a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy, which stemmed from his insider trading case. See, this is strange. So he got eight games. Eight games suspension from the National Football League for this insider trading plea where he pled guilty, right? He only got a day in the courts. He got a he got a day, but he got eight games in the NFL. But also, by the way, uh, there are guys in the NFL who have done some pretty egregious things that we read about publicly, and you're like, good Lord, that's not good. And under the, uh, the, the, the clause of not having represented the shield, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, uh, they get way fewer games than this dude got for one day, one day. One source familiar with the situation told ESPN that Kendricks could be facing at the time 37 months in prison. So Holmes thought he was going to be doing thirty potentially 37 months, and he got a day. So here's why. Here's the payoff for having hung in with there with me for this long, okay? Because I am I'm, I don't know anything about it. It's curious. It always seems strange. Oddly, I'm drawn to it and wish I could benefit from insider trading. 
<laughs> I don't want anybody else to get hurt. Is it possible that I could get insider trading money without anybody getting hurt? Probably not. Hendrickson said that uh, Hendrickson said that Kendrick's supporters throughout the National Football League wrote letters to the court. I think there were over 150 letters of support. I don't want to name names, but we had head coaches in the NFL, GMs in the NFL, league officials, the union, tons of players from high school to college to the pros and so on. Everybody was supportive uh, behind him uh, in terms of that. I'd like to think hopefully that went into the decision from the judge. It also represents who Michael is. He made a bad decision. He owned up to it. That chapter is over with now. We're pleased. 1.2 million, you get a day, and all you got to do is get a bunch of people who know you and like you to write letters to the judge saying, hey, he's a really good guy. Made a mistake. And you get a day. Who could help me with some insider trading? <laughs> I'll do a day for you. He no doubt uh, ended up having to, I'm sure, wait, you know, had to get get on with it and um, and probably operate as if he did not have that money. Um, as of tomorrow, he's legitimately free to sign with any team in the league. There are no more restrictions. There's no pending possible dates in the future. Uh, he's you know already served his suspension. It's over with. So. My man's played nine years in the league. He's got plenty of money. He's made 19 sacks, four picks, 548 tackles, and as you said, was a good player at one point. It's Jeff Cambridge, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Now's the time, if you've been thinking about it and you're curious about it, to listen in and take the opportunity because they are incentivizing uh, you to do so, to come in and check it out and to benefit from the uh, the workouts at Orange Theory Fitness that I engage in on a weekly basis and absolutely recommend to all of you Um more details starting next week. I, I'm going to to hammer out um, uh, a, a better a better promotion, if you will, because uh, I know that there's chances here for you to to get some free workouts. Is what I'm saying. There there are opportunities here. Like you sign up, you get another month, and it's listen. It's all this good stuff that you hear me talk about on a regular basis. Um, but it's just a reminder that. Uh, uh, they're back full bore, and uh, I still go, and I've seen a lot of people sign up over the uh, last couple of years of working with them. It's been exciting, and uh, I just want you to know that um, now's a good time. Now's a good time. August is uh, incentivized. Let's put it that way. Inquire. Orange3Fitness.com. And I'll tell you more um, as, as the days come, uh, come up here in, you know, tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday and all that good stuff. I'll have a little bit of a handle on exactly what that promotion is. It's, it's me. It's not them. <laughs> Hey, did you see this? I am not surprised. Uh, real quick segment here, but I, I, 
yesterday's show, now we let off the talk here with the Sports Center nugget about the NFL not fooling around, basically sending out a directive to its players, letting them know. Now, I'm sure the NFLPA will have something to say, but letting them know, like, hey, my man, if uh, if we have a COVID outbreak this year and it's because there's an unvaccinated player, then your team forfeits the game and uh, you guys don't get paid. And I said yesterday, this is where we're headed because they're, they're getting tired of uh, asking. Um, credit where credit's due. This is a report from David Hale. Uh, and I thought this was interesting. Um, BC, that would be Boston College, mandated all players and staff to be vaccinated. Jeff Halfley said, that's the head coach, they had one player object and did not want to be vaccinated. He helped that player find another program to transfer to. That's it. That's all. And that's what's coming. That's what's coming. They're not going to not have a season. And uh, <laughs> I, I would suspect by next week, those kinds of headlines, those kinds of comments that you read, you're like, okay, it's exactly what's about to happen. And so, you know, yesterday I asked – Tom, where we were on that, and you know, because I knew Norvell was going to be asked, and he said they're not quite at eighty-five percent. They're close. They're really close, and that he's efforting along with the university to do everything in their power to get them to that place and and beyond and beyond. But I I wanted to say at that time that he brought it up, like, well, great, eighty-five percent is going to have to be a hundred percent. I was about to say that's fifteen percent less than you need to be. Yeah, that's it. That's eighty-five is going to have to be a hundred percent. And and what you can do is certainly. Um, it doesn't have to be acrimonious. It, it can very well be, well, we're going to require you to do this, and then they can say, well, it's my right not to, and you can say, yep, it's definitely your right not to. You don't have to. You just won't play football here. Well, that's that. We're done talking. Hour number two, fourth copy. Stay with. You know I stay in. Five, six, sometimes seven days a week. 